How do you celebrate Christmas? This question was asked of me by a young man I was discipling. This young man grew up in a Muslim country and had recently converted to Christianity. I was shocked. I realized he wasn't comparing how I celebrate Christmas with how he celebrates Christmas. He had never celebrated Christmas. He'd never seen it celebrated. He wanted to know, as a new Christian, how to celebrate Christmas. I confess that for me, when I think of Christmas, the festivities often overshadow the holiday. As I think of Christmas, so often what first comes into my mind is the tree, the music, the movies, the ham, the gifts, the eggnog lattes. And Jesus, well, he can end up often as that Christmas ornament at the back of the tree, beautiful to behold but clearly not the centerpiece. Christmas is celebrated the world over by all kinds of people in very different ways. Even non-Christians celebrate Christmas, complete with carol singing. Some of them taking the whole thing very seriously. There are, I've seen, devout Muslims buying Christmas trees and lights, gifts, and experiencing family togetherness at Christmas time, though without a focus on Christ. There are also some Christians who don't celebrate Christmas on December 25th because they do not think the Bible gives us either the date of Jesus' birth or any command to celebrate it annually. While we may not know when Jesus was born, we do know this, that Jesus was born. This child who was born, God become man, changed the world and all of human history with it. The birth of Jesus is reason to celebrate. The birth of Jesus is reason to celebrate. We learn this from the angels as we've heard and sung. For God's messengers rejoiced over the message they brought that first Christmas night, and we should rejoice and celebrate over it too. Remembering the incarnation, God become man, helps us to treasure the fact that when we could not find our way back to God, God came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God came down to us. And if you're taking notes, we'll be reflecting on this in three points. In three points. Number one, a Christmas message. Number one, a Christmas message. Number two, a Christmas peace. Number two, a Christmas piece. And number three, Christmas messengers. Number three, Christmas messengers. I pray that this morning as we reflect and consider the message that those first messengers brought on that first Christmas night, 
all of us would respond as the angels and shepherds did, by worshiping Christ, giving God glory, and making sure that this message continues. Let's begin by reading a portion of our passage again. I'm going to pick up uh, in verse 8. You can read along with me, Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 8 and following. This is God's Word. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Let's begin with point number one. Point number one, a Christmas message. A Christmas message. Our passage tells us that that first Christmas night, Jesus was born in apparent obscurity to two obscure people. Mary, the virgin who was conceiving a baby, though she had not yet been married or been with a man, and Joseph, now the adoptive father. Joseph taking responsibility for this baby that had been foretold, foretold throughout Israelite history for centuries, foretold to Mary and to Joseph by angels. And as this baby is born in Bethlehem, because of a census, in order to fulfill prophecy, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. You see, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, centuries before, the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, in Micah chapter 5, prophesied that this would take place, that Israel's promised Messiah, the king who would come and bring peace to earth, end all war, and bring the much-needed hope of Israel, would be born in Bethlehem, in Micah 5. Beginning in verse 2, Micah prophesied this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old, from ancient days. 
he prophesies, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. This promised Messiah would unite God's people. And then in verse 4, he says this, that this promised Messiah would do this. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. That's the prophecy. Prophecy that one would come, a Messiah, who would be a shepherd to Israel, God's flock. And so when God brought the message to those in the area around Bethlehem, who did the angel go to declare this message to? Well, to shepherds. How fitting. The message comes to shepherds to tell them the great shepherd has come who will shepherd his sheep and bring to them unity and peace. Look at how uh, this is described by the angels to these shepherds. In verse 10 and 11, they're clearly afraid. This angel arrives, this messenger from God, and says that they're filled with great fear. This is the response of anyone who comes face to face with God or even with his angels. And the angel tells them, fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is the Christmas message in three parts. Good news of great joy that is for all people. What is the message from God to these shepherds on that first Christmas night? Well, it's a message of good news. A message of good news. Why is it good? Well, it's good because God is fulfilling His purposes and fulfilling all of the prophecies that He's made. It's good because this Messiah who's long awaited has come. This righteous king has been born in King David's city, showing that he is a king. This message is good because a Savior has come to save those in need. And this message is good because this king, this Messiah, this Savior is not just a man, but is the Lord. God himself become man in the incarnation. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Bible is full of both good news, like this pronouncement, as well as bad news. I think for anyone who knows anything about the Bible, those that come face to face with God are often thinking this is bad news. Because we know that our God is holy and we are sinners. And so to come face to face with God or even with God's messengers is to be fearful of bad news. Consider this message that a Messiah has come. Well, the fact that a Messiah has come must be bad news for the Messiah's enemies, right? If a righteous king has come to rule, that must be bad news for the unrighteous. If a Savior has come to save the deserving, what about those of us who are undeserving? If God has become man, what does that mean? 
for a holy God to visit sinful humanity. Well, I think we should be fearful of bad news because that is what all of us deserve. This is the background, the backdrop to our passage, the backdrop of the whole Old Testament and all of human history. Though God created us and created us good and righteous, created us in a perfect relationship with Him, a loving relationship with our Creator God in which we love Him and serve Him and delight in Him. The Bible tells us and all of human history shows us that that perfect paradise at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 did not stay that way. No, it was messed up royally by us human beings. For we rebelled against our good and loving God. And rather than serving Him, delighting in Him, and giving Him the praise that He rightly deserved, we turned our backs on Him. The Bible describes us as being those that are lost. Those that are blind and confused. And those that are in need of salvation. The problem is much worse than that. The problem is not only that we're lost and blind and confused. No, the problem is that we are rebels. We have rebelled against our good and loving God. And what we deserve from Him is not good news, but bad news. That we would be destroyed by Him. That would be good and right and just. But when these angels come with the divine message, the message that they bring is a message not of bad news, but of good news. That though we deserve God's judgment, and though God would be right to punish us, that He has actually visited His people with good news. And not just good news that justice will be satisfied, but good news that is full of great joy. You see that? It's good news not only that the right will be done, but that we will actually be brought into joy with God, if you reflect on joy, on happiness at this Christmas season, I, I wonder how you would define joy. Often for us, our, joy, our joys are shallow ones. We are excited about small things, uh, new, new gadgets, maybe even getting that, that gift that we've been asking for, wanting so badly. But as you reflect on perhaps even getting gifts this Christmas season, let me encourage you to reflect on joy. What are the things that actually bring the greatest joy? And is it getting those things that you want and being able to enjoy them by yourselves? No, the greatest joys in this life are not joys that we enjoy by ourselves, but joys that we experience that involve other people. And this is the kind of joy that this good news brings. Not simply us getting the things that we want to enjoy all by ourselves. And those things are never truly satisfying. But actually receiving things from God that is communal. This good news that brings great joy is the joy of a reconciled relationship. Of God actually bringing us into a relationship with Him and with other people. If you've ever experienced the joy of family togetherness and compare that with you getting something that you want to enjoy all by yourself, 
you realize there's so much more joy in something that can be experienced with someone else. Even if it is something that you're experiencing by yourself that you enjoy, isn't it something that you want to tell someone else about or in some way bring someone else into? This is the kind of joy that this message brings. Joy of not just getting what we want by ourselves, but being brought into a relationship with God where we can experience joy, life as we were created to have it with Him and with His people forever. Not only is it good news, and not only is it a good news that brings great joy, but it is a universal good news that brings great joy. Do you see there? It says it is for all people. This isn't just a message for shepherds, or just a message for Jews, or just a message for a certain set of elite or important people. No, the message of Christmas is a universal message from God to all humanity. And if we will hear this message, if we will receive it by faith, if we will respond to Christ as God calls us to, then the message of Christmas is a Christmas that is for everyone, for anyone who would respond with faith. That's point number one, a Christmas message. Point number two, Christmas peace. Christmas peace. See, the angels declare that they are bringing a message of great joy that will be for all people. Do you notice that this message is the message of a, of a child being born, this Savior, this Messiah, this King? God become man. But do you see the purpose of this message? We hear about it in verse 13 and 14 when not only one angel brings a message, but all of a sudden a heavenly host An unnumbered number of angels shows up with the angel praising God. And what do they say? What is the point, the purpose of this good news? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. The Christmas message has a purpose of bringing a Christmas peace. Peace on earth to God's favored one. For many of us, Christmas, we are reminded of peace. In World War I, there's a famous account of a ceasefire that happened on Christmas Day, 1914. They called it the Christmas Truce. And all along, all along the battle lines in Europe, for the whole day, Christmas 1914, ceasefires happened. Soldiers got out of their trenches and foxholes and went across to their enemies and began sharing songs and exchanging gifts. There were prisoner exchanges that happened. In one place, there was even a football game that happened between these enemies. At Christmas, there was peace, well, at least for a day. For us, we can think of Christmas being a season of peace, whether it's for a day or Perhaps for us, a month from Black Friday all the way to New Year's. Or if you're from Philippines, starting from September 1st all the way to December 31st. But we think of Christmas as being a season of peace. Peace on earth. As we think of what that looks like for us, often we can think of it as being 
setting aside family disagreements, at least for a day, to enjoy some family togetherness, peace uh, in a relational sense. Or maybe peace with humanity, as we learn with Ebenezer Scrooge, to be kind and generous to our fellow man. Well, the peace that Jesus came to bring, on the one hand, speaks of a much bigger problem, but it brings a much better solution. The peace that Jesus came to bring is speaking of a much bigger problem. Imagine visiting the doctor because you have a cold. Visiting the doctor thinking that you need some kind of antivirus or maybe it's an infection of some sort and I need an antibiotic. And after a series of tests being told by that doctor that cold is just a symptom of something much deeper. You have cancer. The peace that all of us know that we need, that our fights and disagreements, that our alienation from one another on this earth, maybe even the full-scale wars that we experience in this world, all of those things are just speaking of symptoms of a much deeper problem. The problem is not that people need to learn how to get along or get over their past experiences. No, there is a much bigger problem here. And the problem is that we are not at peace. And not just not at peace with one another, with our fellow humans. But much deeper and much more important, we are not at peace with God. See, the Bible tells us that we have a much bigger problem, that all of these fights and disagreements that we experience with other human beings point to a fellowship with God, that we have a broken relationship with our Creator God. And these other sins are speaking to that deeper sin these other fights are speaking of a much deeper rebellion in which we are against God. You see, the peace that is needed is a peace to the war that we have engaged with God. We are against Him. You may not, as you consider this, think that you're at war with God. But all of us naturally are. We're born fighting with God believing deep down that if we could just be in charge, if we could just be on the throne, if we could just call the shots, things would be as they should be. And the Bible calls this both idolatry and rebellion. We desire and take the throne that is meant for only God. And we are at odds with Him. And God is good and right to punish us for this because He's a good and right judge. But the peace that Jesus came to bring is a peace that is much bigger than simply dealing with wars and fights on this earth, but is actually a peace that will unite God and men. I spoke of Micah chapter 5, of this prophecy of the Messiah, of Israel being born in Bethlehem and being the shepherd that Israel needs. But as Micah finishes his prophecy at the very end of his book in Micah chapter 7, he describes how this is going to happen. In Micah 7 and verse 14, Micah prophesies, Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance. And how is this going to happen? How is Jesus going to be that good shepherd? Well, he tells us in verses 18 to 20, 
Look at how he says it. How is there going to be peace on earth? How is there going to be peace between God and men? Verse 18, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. How will Jesus bring peace on earth? How will Jesus restore a peace between God and sinful humanity? Well, the way that he does this is by dealing with our sin. You see, there was a gulf, a deep, unpassable gulf between God and men that happened when we sinned against God, when we rebelled against him. And when that gulf could not be bridged, when there was no way for us to make our way back to God, God made a way for that gulf to be bridged by God himself coming in the person of Jesus Christ, taking upon himself our humanity, being born as a baby. He became a man so that he could, as a man, bring us back to God. This is the message of Christmas. This is how we receive Christmas peace by Jesus, the incarnation, God become man, being born as a man so that he could grow, live that perfect life that we did not live, and one day be prepared with the body he had received to die in the place of sinners like you and me, and so pay the punishment that our sin deserved. This is the peace on earth that would come through Jesus, that he would win for us through his victory on the cross. And this is what Christmas and the incarnation foreshadow. They tell us of God's plan beginning to take effect in the birth of this baby Jesus. As you consider Christmas peace, the need for real and lasting peace, I wonder where you've been putting your hopes for peace. Have you been putting your hopes in that day or days or week of vacation? been putting your hopes of peace, of time together with family, time away from work? Where have you been putting your hopes for peace? Getting those things in this world that you've been hoping for, that job, that promotion, those good grades, that house. Let me encourage you, friend, to not look for true and lasting peace in anything that this world may offer. Though it may offer you some fleeting joy and happiness, maybe some little bit of security in this world. Such things can never offer you the peace that only Christ can give you. A peace that will last both in this world and extend into the next and for all eternity. This is what Christ has come to accomplish. He did it by becoming a man and becoming a baby. That's point number two, Christmas peace. Point number three, reflect for a minute on these Christmas messengers. Christmas messengers. I love that at this first Christmas, God sends messengers to bring this Christmas message and to declare a hope of real, true, and lasting peace. And He sent His own angels. 
these spirit beings that always live to serve God in heaven and are by Him and always do His bidding. They're called angels. And the word angel in Greek simply means messenger. They're God's servants. And one of the main things that they do is carry His messages. They do His bidding. They do His work for Him. Consider for a moment the Christmas messengers. These are divine messengers. This message is not just pie in the sky or some nice ideas. This promise of peace isn't just a pipe dream. No, this message comes from God Himself and is brought by His divine messengers, God's ambassadors in these spirit beings, these angels. The thing about a messenger or an ambassador is a messenger or an ambassador doesn't come with their own message. No, they're simply the go-between. And the message that they bring is not their own, but simply the message of their sender. Consider the angels here, what this represents, that the messengers on that first Christmas were God's angels. This tells us that this message is true because it comes from God. This message can be relied on because it's God's message. This message can give true hope because we know that our God is true. Everything He speaks is true. And when He communicates, when He communicates good news of great joy for all people, we know that we can bank our lives on it. We should learn from these messengers not only hope that this message is true and we can rely on it, but we should also be learning to imitate these angels. Look at how they respond to this message. They rejoice. This message is good news of great joy, and how do they respond to it? Do they come with stone faces and quietly and seriously communicate the message and leave? No, they respond to this message as it should be responded to, with great rejoicing. These are the best sort of messengers, the messengers who communicate the truth with the right kind of emotional connection with the truth that's being communicated. They are messengers who communicate with the right sort of excitement and rejoicing over the good news of great joy. They communicate it with joy. And then they spring into praise to God. This is how all of us should respond to a message like this. But what's wonderful about the angels is the angels rejoice with great joy and rejoicing. And the message isn't for them. It doesn't even deal with them. You see, Jesus didn't become an angel to save angels. He's become a man to save humankind. And though this message is not a message directly for the angels, they rejoice in it with excitement because of what God is doing. And they respond rightly to this message of good news that should bring great joy to God's people with rejoicing. This fact for me caused me uh, to grow in love for these angels as I reflected on it this week. How wonderful are these angels? They're peeking into something that Peter says angels long to look into and to understand. 
And though they in some ways don't understand what God is doing or why God takes such an interest in His creation of humankind in a way that He doesn't take an interest in His angels. Those that have fallen in sin says He will destroy without hope of salvation. These angels rejoice over the truth because they love their God. And they're excited about what He's doing and they know that it must be good. And if that's true for angels about a message that has nothing to do with them ultimately. How should we respond to a message like this? How should you and I respond to a message that isn't just good, and that isn't just a message that will bring joy for all people, but a message that is ultimately for us? That is not just for us, but for all humankind. We should respond with a a rejoicing even greater than the angels, because we know that this message is for us. If we would receive it, if we would respond as these shepherds did, worshiping Christ, believing that He is this promised Messiah, God become man, to bring us back to God, we should respond with such joy. I'm not sure what Christmas looks like for you, or what you anticipate over the next few days. For some of us, we may be excited at the prospect of what Christmas offers to us, time with family, time off of work or school. For some of us, perhaps we are more dreading this season because we are remembering Christmas has gone by. Or perhaps like my mother, remembering how her mother died just a a day or two after Christmas. We're thinking of this season of a time of dread, of remembering things that are hurtful, that still hurt. Regardless of how you anticipate Christmas being for you personally, I hope that you can draw hope and example from the angels. Though you may be hurting, though you may be suffering, though your time here on earth may be full of pain, There is a message and there is a hope worth rejoicing over. There is a joy that is more lasting and more deep than anything that this world can shake. Regardless of the difficulties we may be experiencing, there is a message of great joy for all people that should bring in us great rejoicing. I encourage you to find your joy, not in your circumstances, or to be full of dread because of your circumstances, but to cast your eyes on that first Christmas scene and take hope, take heart. Know that God is at work, and one day He will, through Christ, make everything right for His people. Not only should we rejoice over this news, but we should take example also from these shepherds. For as soon as they hear the message, they turn into new messengers. They hear the message from the angels, the true message from God, a a message from God to humanity. And then they become messengers too. They go to Bethlehem. They begin to tell others what they've seen and heard. They find this baby and worship. And then they continue to rejoice and to glorify God, to tell others the wonderful things that they've seen. You know, you and I, if we have come to know something of what Christmas is about, that first Christmas, 
if we have received this message of good news that brings great joy and responded to Christ in faith, turning from our sins and trusting in Him as the only Savior who can save us from our sin and restore our relationship with God, we too should become like the angels and the shepherds and be messengers. So we have a wonderful opportunity to respond to this message with the proper rejoicing and to then become like the shepherds, additional messengers from God, communicating this message of good news that brings great joy and that is for all people. We too can become messengers of the gospel. I loved last night in our home seeing members of our church sharing the gospel with non-Christians who were there at our small holiday gathering. Loved seeing two, two different times our own members being messengers of this good news to those who are part of this all people. I love on Sunday nights in our prayer service hearing of you all being messengers communicating good news of great joy to those around you. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the ways that I'm seeing you be faithful to this. But if we understand something of what God has done in Christ, something that He began there in that first Christmas, Christ being born, how much more so should we be messengers? All the more. As we rejoice in Christ and then love to tell others about him. My friend reminded me this week of something he learned when he was a brand new Christian, something he read in a gospel tract. After reading about the gospel, it said, this message is too good to be kept to yourself. And that's true. All of us should understand that this Christmas message brought by Christmas messengers of true and lasting peace. It is a message too good to be kept to ourselves. No, we must rejoice in it, but that's not enough. That must spill over to us being messengers on God's behalf, ambassadors from Him, communicating good news of great joy to all of the people around us. Let me encourage you to do this all the more as you reflect deeply on the Incarnation. So how do we celebrate Christmas? As we asked at the beginning, how do we remember the incarnation? What should it look like for us? Perhaps you're new to this. I've included in your bulletin uh, a small prayer. Pull it out, if you will. It's uh, simply a reflection, a prayerful reflection on the wonderful gift of the incarnation. It's called the gift of gifts. This is a wonderful place to begin if you're new to this, learning to reflect on the incarnation. What this is is very simply a Christian looking at Luke chapter 2, not only our passage, but then the things that happen throughout the rest of Luke chapter 2, and interacting with the incarnation and learning to respond rightly to the truth that is contained there. I'm going to read through this as we conclude, as we together Take a moment to reflect on Christ, who is the gift of gifts. I'll, I'll just read this. Just read along and then listen. O source of all good, what shall I render to thee for the gift of gifts? Thine own dear Son, begotten, not created. 
my Redeemer, proxy, surety, substitute. His self-emptying incomprehensible, His infinity of love beyond the heart's grasp. Herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like Him. Herein is love. When I cannot rise to Him, He draws near on wings of grace to raise me to Himself. Herein is power. And deity and humanity were infinitely apart. He united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and the created. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to Him and no intellect to devise recovery, He came, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost, as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf, to work out a perfect righteousness for me, O God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy and hearing believe, rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled Father. Place me there in that scene with ox, ass, camel, goat, to look with them upon my Redeemer's face. And in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart. Embrace him with undying faith. Exulting that he is mine and I am his. In him thou hast given me so much. That heaven can give no more. How should we celebrate Christmas? By celebrating the gift of gifts. The gift of Christ. God incarnate who came, that we may be restored to God and experience eternal peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, we give you praise. You have given to us in the person of Christ a gift greater than any other. You have, in sending your Son, showed love to us. It cannot be comprehended or ever appreciated to the full. But Lord, we want to do what we can, both to understand this, rejoice in it rightly, and then with the angels and shepherds to become your messengers. Lord, do this work in our hearts. Enliven our hearts. Fill our lives with joy for Christ. And then use us as your messengers to take this good news of great joy that is for all people in some way, participating and taking it to the ends of the earth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.